Welcome to the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast. I'm your host, Amy Farina, aka MC Unicorn. This is the podcast where I interview interesting people in the electronic music scene who are raving for a cause and making the world a better place. Tune in twice a month to hear incredible stories, advice, and insider tips from ravers, industry professionals, content creators, and more. As always on this podcast, the views and opinions of my guests do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of those of my own or those of Drop Bass Not Bombs. As we do discuss some difficult topics on this podcast, listener discretion is advised. jump into today's episode, a few messages from friends of the podcast and our sponsors. Are you looking for the perfect outfit for your next rave or big night out? When I'm planning my next festival fit, I go to Relita Couture. Relita Couture is a body positive rave fashion brand based in Las Vegas. The clothes are handmade and sure to make you look amazing for your next rave or festival. I've worn Relita Couture now all over the world, both as a raver and while I MC. The clothes are high quality and extremely comfortable. Use code MCUnicorn for 15% off at RelitaCouture.com because sexy has no size. Welcome back to another episode of the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast. Today we have hardstyle DJ and producer Pystar. He's here today to talk about the Asian hardstyle scene, his music, and what it's like performing on some of the biggest stages around the world. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. So can you introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners and tell us more about who you are and what you do? Yes. So my name, uh, my personal name is Ting Ling. So I'm the owner of the event organization, Hearthstyle Taiwan. So it's a Facebook and Instagram page. So kind of we update the Hearthstyle news every day to introduction people, the Hearthstyle music in Chinese. Yes, because like normally people in Taiwan, they don't speak English. So we want to introduce to them in the language they're familiar with. Yes. So I'm also a DJ producer. The name is Pi Star. So I have uh, I have two releases on Dirty Works Copyright Free. And I just finished my third track. Probably will also be on there. Yes. And I'm do- I'm be doing the hardstyle events like Hearthstyle Taiwan, I've been working on it for 10 years anniversary start from this year. So like last month, not last month, last week, we just booked DJ The Prophet to Taiwan to have our 10 years anniversary events for the celebration. Yes, that's what I'm doing recently. Congratulations. Wow, that's huge. 10 years. Um, Yeah, I have a lot of questions for you about all that. You do so much stuff. That's amazing. Um, But I want to take it back way back to the beginning, starting off first, before you did all this stuff, before you became Pi Star, what is your earliest electronic music memory? Yeah, it would be around 2006 or 2007. That was, that at that era, I'm 28 from this year, so that era, I'll be 11, 12. So I have a cousin. He's a mixed breed from Sweden and Taiwan. But he usually lives in Belgium, like uh, Antwerp. So in Europe, he knows a lot of 
music like hardstyle and Eurodance. And one of the summer vacation season, he came back to Taiwan and showed us the music. And I just started getting to hardstyle at that time. That was my yeah first mu- electronic music memory. Nice. So you started off first with hardstyle then. So, or was it Eurodance first? Or what was the first genre that really got you into the music? Yeah, hardstyle for sure. Wow. <laughs> That's rare to hear. Most people, including myself, start off with, for me, it was through Dance Dance Revolution and Eurodance and Hands Up and and that, you know, Nightcore. And then, uh, of course, like the big artists like Tiesto and Armin Van Buren, that, and then I eventually made it over to Hardstyle. But that's interesting that Hardstyle got you right from the beginning at, at such a young age. That's really interesting. Yeah, but like after two, three years, like in, in that period i also went to listen to trends like yeah tiesto army and atb some stuff like that at that moment i wasn't really searching sure like oh do i really love hardstyle or not like still searching around all the electronic dance music genres but it's like after maybe five years so yeah i'm sure the hardstyle is my true love yeah that's awesome. Were there any artists that really drew you in at the beginning? So we're talking 2006, right? Or so is there anyone that really just got you hooked into it from right away? That, that would be Headhunters, of course. <laughs> I was going to guess like Dragonborn and, and tracks like that, I think, came out around that time, right? Not yet, not yet. So oh, not yet. I think okay. it will be like his uh, skin tracks. Scantrix release like uh, Sacrifice a New Day that was like kind of really beginning the Scantrix Reloaded the, the release yeah nice back in the day <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome so looking forward now to today what's your favorite festival to go to and what's your favorite festival to play at my first my favorite festival of course is will be Defcon 1 yeah I've been there like uh if if contains Australia it would be four times. So my first time DEFCON was 2017. Cause back then I was like still a kid. I didn't have enough money to like achieve my dream. So in 2017, I still remember like how I decided to go. The achievement is like in 2017 we have yeah, 2017 we have headhunters in Taiwan. In that era, he was like switching, kind of gonna switch back from EDM to hardstyle, and the the that was like April, the, the April of 2017. So his tour manager, like Timo, yeah, they came together to Taiwan. They play a show like EDM for 40 minutes, but 20 minutes the hardstyle at the end. I was telling him, hey, I really wanna go visit Defcon once, and he's telling, he's kind of hinting me like, yeah, he's gonna come back to the hardstyle scene. And Headhunters is my kind of mentor of hardstyle. Yeah, I really want to see him to on the festival stage to witness once in the lifetime. So I decided to go to DEFCON in 2017. And my second time is 2018. I go to DEFCON 1 Australia. And unfortunately, that is the last DEFCON Australia that ever happened. So, but in the DEFCON Australia, it, it's only a one-day event. So it cannot really compare with the three-day events of the Netherlands edition. And the third time is DEFCON 2019, the One Tribe. 
yeah, truly amazing. The first time was last year. Become <laughs> four days upgrade, yeah. Wow, that's really so cool. I really recommend. Yeah, yeah, I really recommend DevCon for everyone. Yeah, that's interesting about headhunters. I was at DefCon in 2015, 2017, and 2018. And I do remember his return. I do remember him leaving. It was, it was a big thing. And I remember his return. So that's interesting that you saw him in Taiwan and he was kind of hinting at it. And then you went to DefCon. Yeah. That's that's really that's a really cool story. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, DefCon's an amazing festival. Like I said, I, I've been three times. I love it too. What sets DefCon apart for you from other festivals that you've attended? Yeah, because it's like the the only festival that really gathered the the hearts of people from all around the world. So I've been to like uh maybe eight nine festival when I went to the summer festival season in the Netherlands as always. But only DevCon is the most special one because it's a three days festival. Now it become four days, so the only one I go with camping with, and you can meet like kind of people from other countries like Malaysia, Japan, or even from Asia, yes. So also like American people like you and like Australians or somewhere else, yeah. It's like a big family unite. Also, it's the only event kind of you can see all the artists in once. So that's a must go in the life go like this, you know, <laughs> to do this in their lifetime. Yeah, yeah, I I love DefCon. I'm not sure when I'll make it back again, just because there's so many festivals, and I'm trying to do different festivals now, of course. But there is something really special about DefCon, and especially like you said, um, at the campsite with people from all over the world, it is the most like international hard dance event, and people do come from all over, and that's really cool to see. And yeah, there's a lot of Americans that go. There's like a huge group that go, that goes every year, and so I'm always meeting up with them. And yeah, you you just meet people from all over, and just the diversity of the styles too. You know you. You have all the way from like the yellow stage to the red stage to silver. There's something for everybody. And yeah, just the lineups are always really diverse and they have different people each year, new people or surprises and just funny stuff too. Like all my favorite DEF CON memory, I think it was from um 2017 when noise kick did this terror sit down and he came in on a unicorn and you know i'm mc unicorn yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. Oh my, and i love terror so I was like oh my god noise kicks coming in on a unicorn and it was just that was cool and i've heard too they've done like speed core dating and they've done yoga and it, it just have really creative um ideas especially yeah yeah like the hard dance fitness and yeah it's just um it's it's a special festival yeah, I do remember. I went to the speed core dating last year. Who did it you meet really anybody? <laughs> oh. I was dating with a guy. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm, I'm not into male, but yeah, that's that's just for fun, you know. <laughs> and nice. he was like a DJ Akira playing on on stage. So he was a half. He was Cantonese people, like from Hong Kong, but living in the Netherlands. But the special thing is because it's like speed core dating so he played like Cantonese love song on stage and mixing with the tarot it was really funny like maybe 95 oh. percent of people that never understand the lyrics but they can feel the romantic vibes from the music and start dancing and dating around <laughs> 
That's so funny. Oh, Akira's awesome. I I saw on YouTube you've done some things with him as well. And yeah, that's really, really cool. That's a yeah, I wish I wish I went last year. We were actually moving to a new apartment. So yeah, it was actually we were moving like June 27, like the same day as like the last day of DEF CON. So it was like, yeah, obviously oh, you really? can't move yeah obviously you can't move and go to a four-day camping festival in the same weekend but um yeah I, I don't think I'll make it this year either my schedule's already pretty booked but hopefully the following year because yeah now you're like huh, now you're making me want to go to DEFCON again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how we meet like from the QSA meeting if you remember is it that I thought I met you for the first time in Croatia I think it's like QSA meeting on 2019. You could since I show you the your card is the first time. Oh, like did you come to my party? Now. Oh, really? Did you come yeah, to my yeah, so party? I think that in was Amsterdam? the first time we meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, oh cool. Whoa, okay. Well, this is a drop base not bombs exclusive. Yeah, that was um our first event and that was in 2019. Yeah, the night before um Defcon. Oh, that's so cool. I I thought the first yeah. time I met you was was in Croatia, but to be fair, like that party in 2019, there was so much going on. It was the first time I've ever organized an event like you know, not not supporting an event, but like me organizing it. So it was, it was a lot. We we had a lot of help, but so many people and so many things. And then I went to Columbia like two days later for like a family vacation. Wow. So I didn't even go, go to, which was very last minute also. Um, oh, okay. So you have two of my cards. Oh, that's so funny. Cool. Yeah. I did show you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. So, okay. We love DEF CON. So that's really clear. So I want to transition a bit to talk about the scene in Taiwan. I've never been there before. What is the hard style scene like there? So for me, I'm doing the hard style Taiwan page every day. So it's like trying to like get people like put hard style into their daily life. Like they can see it every day. So more more get the people to get connected with the hardstyle. So I'm doing like monthly events from clubs to small venues and sometimes into festivals. Yeah, so like the last event I did was the 10 years of hardstyle Taiwan. It took, we have a club tour, two clubs, one in Taipei, is the capital city of Taiwan called Omni Club. And the second one was at the Elta Club. So we booked DJ the Prophet to, to Taiwan for the first time before his retirement. Yeah, so it was a really crazy party with his old classic tracks. Really amazing. And also at the New Year's Eve, we have D-Block and Esopan. They also played both of the clubs. And looking back to December, we have Kun at the Christmas era. Yeah, Kun also did a club tour from Taipei to Taichung. In November was the Trikas. October, I did a local event at a venue called Pipe Live Music. It was a 200 capacity venue. So we have only local DJs, but October. So we did a kind of masquerade party for the, for the Halloween. Yeah. So that was what the party happening recently. So it sounds like you have an extremely active scene. So would you say it's underground and busy or is it mainstream? And like that you just named a lot of big artists and a lot of events. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like starting from the underground to going to the mainstream. It's like during the COVID era, people was kind of getting boring. But 
and also we cannot invite international artists, but the music mm. taste for the mainstream scene, mm. it was like they start from listening EDM into more fast music. That's how they get into hardstyle. And we like to introduce the new people like from hardstyle remix or like mainstream hardstyle tracks. So they can more easily get into like people from listening to bounce. So they like reverse space. So before we book artists like the three cousin Kunia, that was pretty mainstream for them. So hardstyle now is getting mainstream into club. But mm. if you only look at the local event, I'm kind of doing pretty often, like monthly, but <clears throat> for the local DJs, they still need to get support. Like if I'm doing a like a venue show, it's only the income is only from tickets and not a lot from the drinks. So it's kind of hard to like making profit. But if we go if we go into clubs, like we have a collaboration, like they have the customer and visitor they like they usually have. So it's more easy to like making the general to grow bigger. But it's also not easy to work with clubs since like before, like back then they feel harsh down music is too hard. But nowadays they, they just kind of feel like, oh, it's just a faster EDM music. It also like really <clears throat> come it's really connected about how the harsh down grows, like the evolution of harsh down. Back then it was like too raw or too you can say the the kind of the material of the music is not that easy for people to get into, but nowadays, like the synth, the kicks are more easy to, like for the for the listener for the first time, like it's more easy for them to feel it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I I think so as well. Especially like some of the artists that you've named, Detweekas. Like a lot of people start off listening to Detweekas because it's catchy. You know, they have the remix of "Let It Go." Everybody knows "Frozen." Everybody knows "Moana" or "Jägermeister." It's a catchy song. Like, yeah, like you don't that. need like to that. be a weekend warrior to to enjoy it or find it catchy. Um, so it sounds like melodic hard style is is doing really well there. What about other genres? Like, do you see raw style or French core, up tempo, any of those coming to Taiwan, or is it still mostly uh, melodic hard style? Yes, I can say it have to be like kind of euphoric and reverse bass. Raw style is not really a big thing, but for the dedicated listeners, they like raw style, of course, because <laughs> it's like also same like in general, the music taste will be listened harder and harder, but. As you say, like French court, people only recognize that artists like Sefa because he's like really mu musical with all the melodies, classicals. I think the one of the reasons is like his music for people easily to get known into it. I think that's also one of the key points. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then once you get them in, you can give them harder and faster music. We see that in the US too. And, and what you said earlier as well, that like, people coming from other genres. So one thing that, that I saw a lot in the U S was like, 
dubstep, there would be a dubstep party. And then at the end of the night, it was hard style or it'd be side trance. And then, and because there is crossover between those genres, dubstep is also, you know, it's, it's also dark. It's also d- dirty, grimy kind of music. It's just not as fast as hard style. And then side trance is fast and can even be faster, but it's also like that dark. So it's, you know, there's a crossover and once you get the people in the door, then you can start taking them down to, to, to even harder genres or even, you know, lesser known artists, things like that. Yes, I get what you're talking about. It's the same like heart, the, the heart I see in Taiwan, like eight, like back into eight, eight years, seven, eight years before the hardstyle DJ, like, like eight, seven, eight years ago, we started booking international hardstyle DJs, but it's like, we cannot do it. Like for an event with single hardstyle DJ only, we have to do the events together with like trance music or some side trance, a little bit dubstep to get into like the all kind of electronic dance music listeners, like to introduce them into hardstyle. And we can only do like once a year before. So nowadays the scene has really grown a lot. Also the market. Yeah. That's good. So you've been to the Netherlands a lot. How would you compare the Dutch scene to the scene in Taiwan when it comes to dancing, fashion, the way people interact, how hard people dance, things like that, how hard people go, stuff like that? Yeah, so like sometimes in Asia, the, the crowds are really shy. They they don't really like to kind of dance or express their self. But sometimes yeah, after a couple of drinks, they get into the mood, they start dancing. And they, they are not really kind of dancing all night. Like Asia is kind of bad. It's like when they go into a certain event, they are like, oh, I'm here just for some certain DJs. If they're they're playing, they're finished and they're gone. So it's kind of hard to like keeping the dance floor in a full packed moment. Yeah. Hmm. And so once they get up and start dancing, are they doing, are they shuffling? Are they doing hawking? Are they doing clap along? Are they just normal club dancing? Is there a distinctive, for example, like in the U S it's really common to see people shuffle. We also, you, you, you've seen it. And also, um, with flow arts, like gloving led hula hoops, poi, like all that stuff is very American. Is there a specific style of dancing in Taiwan when it comes to hard style? Really? They just do some club moves but for hardstyle yeah they know like to like waving their fists out like this yeah nice but some of the really dedicated people yeah they like hacking or some of them like shuffle because back in time back in time like taiwan was really popular in trans music so they know shuffle and they kind of bring the shuffle dance to hardstyle music yes but that's only like 10 10 or 5 percent only so still the 90 percent 80 percent club moves, fist, fist, fist waving, yeah. That's all so, about. How about you? What's your preferred style of dancing? Yeah, I would do some fist bumps. <laughs> if the music gets faster, I start hacking with them, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm not a particularly good dancer, but yeah, it just depends on if it's raw style, I'll try to kick roll. If it's hardcore, I'll try to hock in. If it's more hard style or EDM, yeah, I'll yeah. try to shuffle. If I'm really feeling into it, I'll do like the Australian muzzing moves. Like I, I just, you know, it just depends uh, depends how, how the night is going, I guess. Um, yeah, so yeah. I want to talk about Hardstyle Taiwan. When did you start this organization? How did it come to be? So it starts from 2013. And 
back in the days, how I start, <clears throat> how I started is because like around 2013, uh, I I can tell you my first kind of my first hardstyle party was 2012, because an organization they booked Debug and Estefan mm. to Taiwan for the first time, so I joined the party and I start getting in love with hardstyle, but at that era. I was like on Facebook, a lot of Facebook Facebook groups in Taiwan. There were only like uh, EDM people lovers Facebook. So in that era, I started like I should create one like to gather the people who love hardstyle. So the name like hardstyle Taiwan, it become hardstyle Taiwan. Back in the days was like uh, Taiwan hardstyle hardcore lovers or Taiwan hardstyle hardcore club. It has a really long title. It's just because I want people like typing Taiwan and Hardstyle and they can search us like immediately. So nowadays you switch like Hardstyle Taiwan is just kind of easily. And so how I started was just to want to gather the people who has the same hobby as I. So like after four years, in 2016, yeah, we think, yeah, we have kind of enough of dedicated people in the group already so we start to throw out our first party in 2016 yeah the first party was like three to four local DJs and we sold like 150 tickets around that we think yeah it's kind of a good so in the end of the year we booked Radical Redemption that was Whoa. our like first international guest yeah Wow, that's that's a huge amount of growth. So what can you attribute that to? Just people, there was a real need for it, I guess. Or or it was such a good party, it's like everyone was all about it. Yeah, yeah. So back then was like, I have a kind of Korean friend. She called Jisoo. So yeah, she was studying university in the Netherlands. So she knows some harsh people and introduced the agent to me. It's like, oh, the artist probably will come to Asia. Are you interested? do together so that was kind of the right timing so we do this together yeah nice i think i met her before actually <laughs> yeah cool, her name cool. sounds familiar yeah that oh that's really cool so she made the connection and yeah that's awesome and then now you're doing all these events that's so cool so what yeah. can you shout out some artists in taiwan that listeners can check out is there anyone that you recommend other than yourself <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> a guy called Teddy T E D D Y. He's a UK hardcore producer, a UK hardcore heavy hardcore, and transcore. He has some release on Electric Fox. Also a collab with DJ Joy Riot. You can check his music on the Dirty Works channel. And also a guy called like Narcis N A R C Y Z. He has really couple releases on Dutch Masterworks for Hardstyle. Also released on Dirty Works and one release on QNES Next. Yeah, he's he's kind of good, yeah. Nice. That's really cool. So I'll link to all those in the show notes so everybody can check them out. Yeah, I'm really curious too. And I want to go to Taiwan. I want to go to one of your parties. <laughs> hey, you are always welcome. <laughs> Thanks. That sounds awesome. I'm, ex yeah, I'm excited. Also, like DJ, let, let me put two two names more. Sure. Also, D for females like DJ Cindy, like C Y N D I, like she's a upcoming new producer, so she has a release on Dirty Words copyright free as well, but it's more raw style with melodic. You can say it's like raw She has a track called Wasted, 
We can check that out on Dirty Works. And also the most famous DJ from Taiwan, a female artist called Ray Ray. She's more like a, making bass music, has released an album on Baron Family. But she also makes a bit harsh style. She has a collab with Sigma. It calls uh oh shit, I forgot the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, we can it's look like, it up. Oh, oh. Because oh my fucking god, OMFG, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. oh I know, I love Sig Mode. Anyone who knows me knows I'm I'm obsessed. I I listen to Too Cold probably five times a day. I love that song. <laughs> That's a, a lot. Song. Gets me through. Yeah, I'm okay. Maybe not five hundred, but I listen to the song quite often. I listen. Get, yeah, gets yeah, me yeah. going. It, it's my pump up song. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely have to check all those out. Awesome. So yes. let's say a DJ, producer, or an event organizer wanted to break into the Asian hardstyle market. What advice would you have for them? Probably remix a Taiwan or Asian song into hardstyle, you know? It's like the tweakers there, we invite them to Taiwan. I think it's like 2021 for the first time. And they make a song called like Hodala. So we say Hodala in Taiwan. It's like drink till the bottom. It really fits on them. So, oh, yeah, that's on brand for them. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. After they have the Taiwan drinking remix song, they have the really big population in Asia and Taiwan. And also Soundrush, they remix a really famous Cantonese song. It's like all about freedom. So, after that, he gained, they gained a lot of fans like within the Asia Pacific era. Yeah. Oh, that, that's good advice. So to take songs that are popular there or to take a song that would would resonate with the people there and like make a fun remix or a fun edit. I think that goes along with what you're yeah. saying before too, like, you know, with this melodic hard style or transitioning from EDM into hard style, like that's a good way to bring people over too, is to take a popular song and, and add that kick under it, make it hard style. And, and I've seen that before at major festivals too, like for example, at EDC Orlando or at Electric Zoo, you'll hear like a popular song with a hard style kick and yeah, someone like Hardwell will play it or Tiesto and people go, people go crazy and they don't even know that it's hard style necessarily. They just, they like it and they're like, wow, it's sped yeah, up. Yeah. It's fast. It's catchy. And and then next thing you know, they're booking flights for DEF CON. So <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. It's like getting the, the thing they know they're familiar with and mixing the hard style. It's also the same like, Many big EDM DJs, they play at the festival and they play their last track as a new hardstyle remix like Dimitri Vegas or Armin, they did a lot. Yeah, that's how it goes for the hardstyle growth. Yeah, Martin Garrix as well. Yeah, I've I've heard that a lot. And also, again, I I was at EDC Orlando the end of last year, and like I I heard that a lot too. At the end of sets, it's like, oh, or Timmy Trumpet played a lot of hardstyle. He even played GPF too. I went crazy. I went crazy for that. Like that's that's awesome. And that that's what I want to see. And that's really how you get more people into the scene because you have the people in the crowd. They're taking out their phones. They're shazamming the song. And they're like, what is this? And then you know, then they go on YouTube and your suggested videos. Next thing comes up, DefCon Climax decibel and then next thing you know you're you're a weekend warrior <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i want to switch gears a bit now and talk a bit about your music so let's start first yeah. you're a dj and a producer do you have a preference for djing or producing or are you just amazing at both you love both <laughs> i prefer dj more <laughs> yeah and why is that 
Yes, because because like standing on stage in front of people, also like playing out your music to more strength. Like they, I'm a stranger for them, so it's like showing them what harsh style is. That is a more easy way to <clears throat> let the new people get into harsh style and getting to know to me, and that's how I can make friends in in general. Yeah. I really、nice. enjoy DJing because also you can play in different clubs, but making music is always in front of the computer. Yeah, just you always interact with computer is too boring. You know, <laughs> I like to get in touch, drinking with people, everyone. Yeah, yeah, and feeling that energy from the crowd. You know, like you don't if you're sitting in in the studio with your headphones on, you don't have the energy when you when you when you press a button or something. You don't have everyone be like, yeah. You know, when you're in the studio, when you're in the crowd, you you can really get that feedback, and you can really feel the vibe. And yeah, like you said, it's it's a great place to meet people. It's a great place to make connections. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. So yes, be- yes. before you get on stage, do you have any pre-performance rituals or routines that you do before you start a set? Couple of drinks for sure. <laughs> that's it. Do you have a favorite drink? Favorite drink, yeah.、Um... Heineken, Jagerbomb, gin tonic—everything <laughs> works for me. Depends on what they offer. <laughs> nice. Okay, that sounds good. So you take you take、yeah. a couple drinks and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm easygoing person. <laughs> nice. I still remember a funny story. It's like I play at the festival like last summers in Taiwan. So I I asked for like I wanna I want two bottle. But because it was like they they forgot to prepare like it's not they forgot to prepare it's like a government event so they are not allowed to prepare alcohol drinks before the show so during the show there was like okay some liquor store convenience store around the venue I was like okay get something maybe like sparkling wine or white wines for two bottles. Okay, and they went back with two bottles of vodka. Oh my <laughs> god. It's like if you pronounce like in in Taiwan language, like we say, okay, that is a white looking liquor. So yeah, vodka also looks clear and white for them. So <laughs> they bring back two bottles of vodka. I think you're getting wine, and it's like here's two bottles of vodka. Here you go. So how did that set go then、yeah. after the vodka? Good. That's too funny. So I get all my friends really drunk, and we had a really really good time. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. <laughs> We just want to drink everything, so yeah. <laughs> nice. So that turned out a really good memory. So people should next time just bring you bottles of vodka. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want to get wasted every time. <laughs> just other people. <laughs> yeah. So you have some releases on some of the biggest hardstyle labels in the world, such as Dirty Works. What has it been like to work with these big labels? How I started was like、uh, back in the I think like back in five years, I I'm a kind of a loyal customer from the Dirty Works shop. Like back in the days behind the Dirty Works merchandise store, it was tough music. So I I'm a person I'm personally I'm a really big CD vinyl collector of hardstyle. So I start collecting and I buy a lot of physical stuff from them. After that, they merge into with Dirty Works, so I'm really close with the team. So, at that <clears throat> around 2018, I visit the、uh, I visit Belgium to their warehouse for the first time because 
I start selling their merchandise in Taiwan for for the hostel lovers. So yeah, people, I want to let the all the dedicated fans, the people feel like hostel is with them every day. So I start selling the merchandise, and after I make music, because <clears throat> I have a good connection with them, so I want to release music <clears throat> on their label. That's how I start working with them. So. It's not just from music, also merchandise. So we keep contact each other monthly, weekly. So it's like good friends in general, yeah. Not just like working. And also、oh. for hardstyle, just like doing the thing you love. So it's never really feel like work, yeah. That's cool that the connections run deeper than just the music. That you can find a lot of different ways to work together and to collaborate. Yes. Yes. Nice. So, speaking of collaborations and friends, I've seen, like I said before, on your social media that you're friends with Akira and you've done things with him before. He is all about terror, as we know, and speedcore. Do you see yourself branching into that side of the harder styles? I mean, I've seen hardcore sets from you、um, online, but is terror in、yeah. the cards or speedcore up tempo? What What are your thoughts on like beyond hard style? <laughs> so, personal, I also like hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I like to play hardcore for fun in many ways, and also hardcore has a different kind of when you DJing, it's different kind of mixing, and you can play more skills on playing hardcore. So I really love hardcore music as well, and like Akira is also because we're a really good friend, and he's from Hong Kong. So back in two thousand eighteen, yeah, one time he go back. He he fly back from the Netherlands to Hong Kong, and I bring I book him to Taiwan because it's really nearby, so it won't cost me a lot. So I try the first terror event in Taiwan, but it、oh、doesn't turn out really well. Did any, what is, was that like? Do people did people come? <laughs> not a lot, because the music is like too hard and it's like in unknown world to them. But some of the hardstyle people they came for trying. I remember it only sell like sixty or eighty tickets, but it's still kind of good for me. I didn't lose a lot of money, but it's a good memory and a good try. Yeah, for the scene. It's it's hard when you're getting into the harder, harder, harder styles. I see that here as well. Even in in the Netherlands, like with speedcore, I went to speedcore. Actually, I'm not going to say the name of the organization, but I went to a speedcore party、um, here in the Netherlands, and there was not a lot of people. It was maybe like twelve people. <laughs> like there was not a lot of people, and it was. I'm really was, sad about that. It was like in the middle of the day. Like in a random residential area, like it was very small. But I mean, I had a great time. But yeah, it was.、Um, it was definitely not a high turnout. But then on the other hand, you know, all of Noise Kick's parties, the Noise Kick Terror Drong, and those events.、Yeah. Um, I mean, they're packed. Like they, they, they're always busy. I, I've been to one or two of them before. So it just depends. But yeah, when you're getting beyond. And also with with his terror events, like it's a brand too. So he has he has an established brand. He has a very established following, and and also yeah, like he terror books、thing. different artists. Yeah, that one. Yeah, terror. Dr- I don't know if it's terror drunk, terror dang. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Cool, cool. So looking ahead to the future, are there any festivals that you'd love to get booked at that you've loved to play at that you've never played at before? The bucket list will always be like DevCon and maybe some of the hardstyle festival like Intense or Wish. Yes, like Wish, I've been there 
like every time I go to the Netherlands because it was always like a week after DevCon, so I can go both of them for for, for like a my festival tour, <laughs> visiting tour. Also like Dominator because I like hardcore personally, but I make more mainstream reverse space hardstyle. Maybe that's not possible, but yeah, it's kind of a bucket list in the future. DevCon is the first place for sure. I Have hope I ever... can make it this year. Yeah, you should. Have you ever been a Harmony of Hardcore? Never. You should go. Like go, go with Akira. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Dominator three times. And yeah, I really enjoy the whole hardcore experience in the festival. I also went to Free Festival. So it's hosted by Art of Dance. So it was also contains a lot of hardcore DJs. Yeah, it was really crazy with like nowadays the up-tempo music. I'm not a really up-tempo guy. I can listen to it maybe half to one hour, but that's like max for me. But nowadays, I can see the hype in the Netherlands. Like, I went to Free Festival or Dominator. The The up-tempo stage was like always being packed. Yeah. Up-tempo is extremely popular now, and you even see it, and I've talked about it previously on the podcast before, that at the end of Raw style sets, you'll hear like, you know, up-tempo at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, it's, 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 it's really big. There's a lot of good up-tempo. I I do like up-tempo. I like it a lot. And I just, I see it really growing here. Um, I don't know exactly why. I think it just resonates with people. Um, Yeah. And I guess music is, is perhaps moving in a faster direction. I'm all about that. That's, that's fine for me. Um, But yeah, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger here for sure. True. So you've been in the scene, yeah, since like 2006. How has the hardstyle scene changed since then? Would you say it's changed a lot or a little bit? I think it's just like the evolution of hardstyle. It's just like if you listen to the track back in the days, you can feel like the the kind of structure is really simple, like the bass line is clean or the kicks are lies compared to nowadays. Like the raw style back in the days, you probably will feel like, oh, it's just like euphoric now or classic hardstyle. And yeah, I, I kind of like raw style back in the days, like when around 2011, like raw style just getting started. The raw style is more about screeches, but nowadays the raw style is more about crazy kicks and like multiple crazy kicks. It's kind of different, but I think it's just like the evolution of hardstyle. We probably will see what hardstyle will go like next in the couple of years. So I still remember like three, four years ago, like sidestyle was a new thing. Or eight, nine years ago, there was like dub style, like dubstep and a bit hardstyle. And yeah, around like 2015, there was kind of like EDM hardstyle. They call some of them called hard drop. It was like Dr. Root, Crystal Lake, Isaac, something. Mm-hmm. Yes, but right, right, like right now, I think like you can say it's like extra raw, but like it's raw, it's just in general raw style. So raw style is kind of big, the biggest thing right now. I can feel it's just like you can, you can kind of see how the music goes with the Q Dance Top One Hundred list. That kind of reflect the taste of how people like it now yeah also like the mess of hardcore list you can see it's like yeah 80 90 percent up tempo but that's how that's what people like at the moment yeah 
it would be interesting to look at the list from like 2006 and like then look at it today. I actually did that a while ago with like DJ Mag. Um, I have like a weird fascination with the science and life behind DJ Mag. And, and it's it, it's very interesting. Probably could do a whole separate podcast about it. But looking at the list yes. from like 1997 and like, you know, when, when it started to like looking at the list today and then looking throughout the years of like now it's the same people rotating it's like dimitri vegas and like mike um martin garrix hardwell tiesto let are like rotating for the for the first spot and then when you look back to years ago it was like so different like who got the first spot each year and it's it's just interesting to see how people's tastes change and then yeah with the list like now it's it's raw style and up tempo are are very popular we've also seen it with the hardstyle.com list that came out too the hardstyle awards um that came out as well um, so yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I would be curious just to look back and see. Yeah. And, and like you said too, I've noticed that, um, I was at time warp. Um, it's a, it's a techno party. It's a German techno party. And I went to the one in New York and a lot of that techno sounds like early hard style. So it was like my friends and I, I was there with hard style people and they're like, is it techno or is it earlier? Is it hard techno or is it early hard style? And so that's interesting as well to the overlap between those two genres and the evolution between those two genres and how they've kind of come together, win apart, come together again. <laughs> yeah. I can feel like the techno nowadays is going like the early hardstyle like even some of the techno djs they play the early hardstyle tracks in their set right now mm-hmm. i remember like a couple of months ago people sent me a set like a duo from boiler room mm-hmm. they playing like summer of hardstyle in their techno set it's kind of cool for us also like some techno boy music and yeah like tnt now they are they're like start making music called i am techno but back in the days is like I still remember like DJ Zanith, like Zanith, or I forgot the I really forgot the name, like Zanith and Techno Boy, is like they released kind of a mixed mixed color operation album. It's called like mm. I Am Techno, but yeah, it's hardstyle. Mm. So nowadays, the hardstyle nowadays the techno becomes hardstyle. Back in the days, they like to say their hardstyle is techno. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So what do, what's going to happen, do you think, in the future? What future trends do you see for hardstyle? Do you think we're moving more, even further than up-tempo, faster? Are we, is it going to be more mixed with techno? What are you, what are you predicting for this year? I see, I feel like it, it was still going be, to be raw style or like really, like we're really, really crazy hard kicks. But it will also have kind of a new generation, like combining with techno music, like, I kind of like the new Devon Wild release. He has an EP called, like, XL. He has a really strong techno vibe on it. I kind of like it. Maybe in the future, you, we can see, like, more techno-ish hardstyle or hardstyle-ish techno. I don't know about that yet. We will keep looking on the scene, how it grows, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see what what's, what's in store for this year. So... <clears throat> There's something about hardstyle that really pulls people in, like we've talked about before, making it a genre where you either love it, you eat, sleep, breathe hardstyle, or you really don't like it. At least that's from what I've observed, you know, throughout my career and throughout my life as a electronic music listener. Do you believe this is true? And if so, what makes hardstyle such a compelling and intense genre? I think it's all. I think it's more about the lyrics of the music. It's like 
yeah, like uh, like some of the anthem, like I am hardstyle. It's just like oh, the music is get into you. Like also some tracks like Brain Hard is like feeling or fuck off for hardstyle. And like Show Tech, fuck the system. It's like I live for hardstyle, baby. I live for hardstyle. Or yeah, it's just like I feel the lyrics is kind of important. Like get people. Like get into it, like have the spirit. It's like yeah, I kind of live with all my friends. This is the music I like. Yeah, also like back in the days, uh, a track from Zatox. I forgot the name, but it's just like yeah, really showing out like hard shell is all you have. That's really important to get people like to know like yeah, this music is all about my life. Yeah, the, the track is called My Life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I think definitely the lyrics and also like the branding and the marketing of like making people feel like weekend warriors. You're part of a group. You're part of one tribe. You're part of a community. Yeah, you, you got the orange heart. Yeah, yeah orange heart. Yeah, yeah. giving post. people yeah. putting la- putting labels on people and making them feel and 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 you do you do feel that like for example again at DefCon we've talked about this like you you do feel that sense of community. You do feel walking around like these are your people. You can make friends with anyone like. You just go up to someone when you're waiting in line to get some French fries and be like, oh, are you going over to Zatox's set? Like, yeah. Or, yeah, or yeah. hey, do you know what time Brennan Hart's playing? Or like, oh, you're wearing a, a speed core shirt, you know, like you can just immediately because at the end of the day, you have that in common. I don't think anyone would go to those festivals unless they either like the music or were curious about it. Or maybe they got dragged by someone else, but probably not because it seems like a lot. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a lot to get dragged to. So I think everybody who's at these three, four day camping weekend long events really, really loves it or they're curious and they want to get into it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Definitely. So I want to transition now into a bit more personal questions. So we've talked about Hardstyle Taiwan. We've talked about your DJing and producing career, but you're also an industry professional in the scene. So can you tell us a little bit about all the work that you do in the electronic music industry aside from, from DJing and producing? Oh, yeah, so I also because I started really like Hardstyle back in like 2000. So I, I was like attend my first Hardstyle event in 2012. So also I really want to get into the scene, like the whole electronic dance music scene. So in 2013, I joined the organization of the one which organized the Hardstyle party in 2012. So I started working for them like as a ticket seller, like a public relation promoter, just like help helping out the scene to grow and let people get into the. And it's like back in the days, people like physic physical tickets with like uh like an exclusive printing, and you also have to like putting the music music poster on the street, like the popular streets. So it's more easy to like get into the. I kind of enjoy it because it's easy for easier for me to get into people who like electronic dance music so it's just like they see the people and like we have the same hobby passion of it and after, after a couple of years yet yeah, like some of the other organization like they they do edm events but they also asking me to sell the tickets for them because they know i have a bunch of friends like loves that loves to listen to edm music so that's how I start working in the scene and after years by years because like Taiwan in general people speak Taiwanese Chinese 
and they know I'm speaking English, so I start kind of helping the organization to prepare like artist writer or backstage or like being the local tour manager for the artists. And that's how I get more close with the hardstyle artists and some EDM artists as well. Yeah. And I also like, uh, like, because of getting to know more people. So I start like, uh, helping out my friends, like building, building little easy, easier stage of like putting DJ equipment, like helping the, supporting the local DJs. Maybe they have a, event with like 100 capacity so we can support their dj gear and also helping out to promote the music sometimes it's even free of charge because yeah we all just love this music and we know the people is not gonna make money on this so we like to help each other yeah that's how i kind of work in the scene yes yeah, I have, I have a similar story to you as well. Like I've worked as stage crew. I've like worked as a stage manager. I've like organized events. I've been promotions manager. I've worked the I just did a little bit of everything in, in the US in the electronic music scene because that's how you support the scene, especially with hard dance. Like it's not a big industry. It's not a big scene. It's pretty underground in the US. So you got to be selling merchandise or like helping out at the door or, you know, bringing the DJ's towels on stage when they yeah, need yeah, just like yeah. lending. And like a lot of those jobs, I did not get paid for. Some I did but most did not. Um, but just, you know, people saw me kind of like they saw you as being reliable and dedicated and always there like, Hey, can you help out? And then you end up helping out all the time because you start to notice things like, Oh, this is, you know, one of the monitors is not working. Let me go tell someone. And next thing you know, you're like on stage, like helping, like, this isn't my job, but I guess I'm here now. Um, you know, you start to, you get, you get deeper and deeper involved. So yeah, you, you do a lot of stuff for sure. Um, on top of all of this, you also co-founded a clothing brand. How did that start? Do you have a background in fashion? What mo- what motivated you to start your own clothing company? Not really. So it was like co-found with my friend last year because like we are a really close friend. I started knowing him back in like around five years ago. So yeah, we are before like that, like 2000, I think it's around 2018. We are both like artists, like the local tour manager, artist, handler for Ultra Music Festival in Taiwan. So we kind of worked together. And I, because I really, he also speaks English. So I really like to work with him. And we feel like, yeah, we are really good friends. And he has more fascinated background. So, and he also DJing. They like, they have a, they has a, have a, no, I mean, they are a, a mask duo. They are a duo, but they mask up. They call ganja. They are looks kind of fashion, so they start wanna making their own clothing brand. And around last year, yeah, we decide to like make a clothing brand together. And he knows some people like working in the fashion industry, so what just wanna try to promote the brand out and also like have our own clothing line and also when people when like like us, we usually DJing but we are always headaching about what shirt should we wear today or not. And he just decided to make out of itself. And for me, I just want to get involved together to support my friend. That's how I kind of get started with my friends. Yeah. Nice. So do you wear the clothes a lot when you're DJing? I do. Cool. That's good promo. Not today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. That's really cool. 
Well, I'm excited. So do you guys have any goals for this year when it comes to, to your clothing brand? Any yeah, new lines will, or designs? Yeah, yeah. We will come up a new season. It's called like Ride With Us. So you just want people to ride with us and the, it will like having some material about like car and racing to be like ride with us. Yeah. That's just a little bit hint. <laughs> so. Ooh, an exclusive. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I appreciate that. And everybody should definitely go and check that out. And we'll link to everything again in the show notes. Ride <clears> with <throat> us. Okay. Well, I'm excited. So do you make clothing for men and women? Like unisex, yeah. Unisex. Okay. So cause I'm like, oh, maybe I'll I'll rock a shirt. Okay, yeah, unisex. Perfect. Okay. Well, that that's really good. <laughs> thank so, you. You're welcome. So we're coming to the end now. Uh, I just have two more questions for you. This is the question that I ask all of my guests. How do you rave for a cause or party for a purpose in your life? Yeah, I just like, it's part of my life already. And also I went, I kind of went to party before it was like almost every week when the, the club nights every week because all of the local DJs are kind of my friends. So because all of the local DJs, like they are kind of resident DJ in club nights. So I just want to have a drink or visit my friends every week. So I kind of go into like nightclubs and these like some venue shows, events, underground events every week, sometimes supporting my friends and also just meeting them up. So it's just already being the music festival is already part of my life also party yeah so that's just like a daily routine weekly routine for me yeah. like going to the gym or brushing your teeth yeah. it's like there's just hard style true <laughs> cool yeah i i feel that too like i think we saw during the pandemic what it was like to not have live events and it's like wow it's such, it's such a void missing you know it's such a it's such a big part of our lives that we didn't have for that time and now we have it again so we should enjoy it <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna more cherish about. Yeah, cherish it. I, yeah, cherish every moment for sure. So, final yeah. question: Where can people connect with you online? Where can they buy your clothes? Where can they find your music? Please <laughs> link, shout out everything. <laughs> yeah, so for my personal page, it would be like Pi Star on Facebook, also like Pi Star on Instagram. That's for my personal DJing, and you can also search my music on Spotify and YouTube. And for events, like if you are coming to Taiwan in the future, just search Hardstyle Taiwan on Facebook. You will find my page to see if there's Hardstyle events coming around. Feel free to join us. And for the clothing brand, will be Starfall Lane. On Instagram, it's like S-T-A-R-F-A-L-L-L-N. Yes, it's like Starfall Lane. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely coming to Taiwan. You sold me. It sounds great. <laughs> I love yeah. to come. And thank you so yeah. much for today. Everybody go and check out Pie Stars Music and your clothing brand Star Fallen. And yeah, Hardstyle Taiwan. And hopefully we'll all dance together very soon. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me, Amy. Of course. I'm so glad we got to do this. And yeah, I I'll see you this summer, I'm sure. Maybe in Croatia again or somewhere else. <laughs> cool, I wish, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Have, have a good day. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so that was my episode with Pi Star. It was so nice to connect with him again. Check out his music. Check out Hardstyle Taiwan and his clothing brand. 
I hope to see him again soon and maybe check out one of his parties in Taiwan. Now it's time for some announcements. A few weeks ago, I went to Don't Let Daddy Know at the Ziggo Dome with Hardstyle Mag in Amsterdam. It was my first time attending one of their events, and it was so much fun. The production was really one of the best I've ever seen. There was really crazy lasers, confetti, balloons, pyrotechnics. It was also really cool to see some of the artists that I used to listen to back in the day, like Alesso and W&W. You can check out my full review by going to hardstylemag.com. I've also made some content on my Instagram at mcunicornofficial. So next up on my party agenda is in just a few days, I'll be heading to Miami for Miami Music Week and Ultra Music Festival. I'll be at Afterlife on Wednesday, March 22nd, and then Ultra from March 24th to 26th, and then also on March 26th, I'll be at Ravers Wild. I'll be writing full reviews of Ultra and Ravers Wild in Hardstyle Mag, so be sure to stay tuned for that. And of course, I'll be covering the whole thing on my Instagram, so follow me on there. I'm going to be posting a lot of cool content, a lot of reels, and also be representing some really cool brands there, such as Rolita Couture, as you guys know, Shroom Beach, and then my friend Ravesaurus. My next announcement is that Hardstyle Mag is looking for reporters for upcoming festival season. So as you guys know, festival season, it's right around the corner. So if you love the harder styles, if you're fluent in English and you have a passion for writing, then this job is for you. If you're interested and want to go to some of your favorite parties for free, send an email to amy.melissa at hardstylemag.com. My last announcement is that tickets for Drop Zone Festival are on sale. They're going fast. I'm happy to be an official ambassador again for this amazing festival. Uh, as you guys know, Drop Zone is the ultimate hardstyle holiday and is on the beach in Croatia. They have plenty of different types of accommodations and packages to choose from. So click the link in the description and book your tickets today and let's party in Croatia this summer. So that's all for today. If you like the podcast, leave a thumbs up, share it with a friend, leave us five-star review, follow us on Patreon at Ravers Revelations, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Drop Bass Not Bombs NL, and we'll see you next time on April 7th. Bye!